This podcast is part of a pod course offered for ASHA CEU credit through SpeechTherapyPD.com. As part of the December to Remember sales event, SpeechTherapyPD.com is offering all pod courses for $9.99 apiece through the end of December. That's more than 35 episodes of First Bite with Michelle Dawson and The Speech Link with Char Beauchart for just $9.99 apiece. To get this discount, simply use the code JOY at checkout. SpeechTherapyPD.com is a certified ASHA CE provider. Hi, it's Erin. I'm your regular co-host of First Bite. First of all, I want to thank y'all so much for tuning in and listening to First Bite. We've been incredibly encouraged and excited by the feedback we've received and are looking forward to the future. In the meantime, if you've been enjoying First Bite, please take a moment, maybe pause your device to subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. This podcast started out as a small idea to bring convenient, tangible resources to SLPs and other professionals, and we value your feedback more than anything. Leaving those reviews truly helps us out. Enjoy the episode, and thanks for listening. Hey, are you enjoying these podcasts and pod courses sponsored by SpeechTherapyPD.com? But are you craving a more in-depth and live-action class? Then join me Wednesday, December 5th in Parsippany, New Jersey, or Thursday, December 6th in Edison, New Jersey, or Friday, December 7th in Tinton Falls, New Jersey, for a six-hour ASHA and IOTA-approved CE event Pediatric Dysphagia, Establishing the Brain-Mouth-Gut Connection, sponsored by Pessy Inc. Don't forget to bring latex-free gloves, a snack, and a drink. We will be comedically and functionally engaging the oral preparatory stage of our swallows and sharing our joyful double chins. Be sure to check out registration on my website or Facebook page, heartwoodspeechtherapy.com, or go direct to www.pessy.com. See y'all soon. P.S. If you can't see me live in New Jersey, don't worry. I'll be in Ohio and Indianapolis in January. Thanks. Bye. Hi, folks, and welcome to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I'm your host on this nerd venture, Michelle Dawson, MSCCC SLP, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast was, like most creative processes, birthed from a combination of a several cups of coffees and, honestly, even more questions posed by a series of impassioned graduate students that I've had the pleasure of supervising over the last several years. First Bite's mission is to answer those questions that we've all had, but we've either been too afraid to ask or we didn't have the subject matter expert saved to our own personal speed dials. So, do you too have more questions and answers when it comes to treating your medically complex and fragile pediatric patients? Are you unsure if the signs and symptoms that you're observing are indicative of an allergy, maybe an underlying GI issues, or could they possibly be neurologically driven? How many questions do you really have for that registered dietitian regarding the formulas prescribed and the flow rate through that patient's G-tube? Have you ever been consulted for a quote-unquote difficult latch only to find out that the mother is exclusively breastfeeding, but you've never nursed a little one or worked with the breastfed patient before? 
And what about functional communication? Are you so over flashcards, but you need advice on how to get started with core vocabulary with a non-speech generating device or how to find the right fit for a speech generating device? Do you have additional worries about the basic day-to-day running and documentation of your private practice? How do you go about obtaining referrals or even documenting that note so that the insurance company deems it medically necessary? If you answered yes, well, then come join me, Michelle Dawson, for this dynamic podcast presented by SpeechTherapyPD.com. Who am I, you ask? Well, I'm a self-described SLP geek with, as my family says, a touch of the ADD and ADHD. I have a passion for serving the least of these, namely the most complex and involved pediatric patients in their natural environment through my private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, in the Columbia, South Carolina metro area. I also have had the pleasure, and currently still am, traveling the country where I lecture on best practices for pediatric dysphagia and functional language acquisition delivered through an early intervention natural environment model. Are you still intrigued? Then come join me as I interview some amazing folks. And don't forget that you can submit questions for a Q&A or interview request topics to me via email at firstbyte at speechtherapypd.com or on our Facebook page. And also check out our website, drop a review, subscribe to obtain those coveted ASHA CEUs. All right, folks, let's get right to it. Welcome back to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional resources for the pediatric clinician. I am your host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. The topic of today falls in the functional category, and we are talking all things telepractice. On that note, I am delightfully humbled to admit that I have zero experience with telepractice and have professionally taken zero courses on the subject matter, and it really isn't done down in my neck of the woods. So how about that for some professional honesty? I'm sure somebody else out there is like, yes, me too. Okay, so the catch is just because I don't participate in telepractice now, well, that doesn't prevent my professional curiosity into that segment of our field, especially given that ASHA is working diligently to set up interstate compact licensure to make it easier for our practitioners that do participate in it on a regular basis to actually cross more state lines. Also, Squirrel, how awesome will that be with licensure compact when it comes to fruition and you don't have to have 50 different licenses, just saying. All right, so this past March, I had the pleasure of meeting Miss Jennifer Ruckner, MSCCC SLP with the TOTS to Teens Therapy Services during the 2018 SHAV, or the Speech Language Hearing Association of Virginia's 60th anniversary convention. I think it was at the gala, I think, if memory is correct. Yeah. And I was professionally smitten, not just because she's a Virginia gal with the same stomping grounds as my younger self, but also because she is passionate about the ethics and empowerment of telepractice done right. So on that note, Jennifer, where did you go to school and how did you end up in this cutting edge section of our field? Well, I went to school at Auburn University in Auburn, Alabama, years and years and years ago. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was drug kicking and screaming up to Virginia by my husband, who 
uh, had a job up in Virginia, well, actually in D.C., Washington, D.C., so he dragged me up here, and as over time, I have done many, many things, worn many hats um, in our profession, but I spent probably the majority of my time in the school system, and I was a speech pathologist with um, many counties, and so I had a lot of experience that way. And then in 2008, my uh, friend Patty Minicucci and myself decided that we were kind of ready for something new. So we left that <laughs> whole school system and we ended up starting Tots to Teens Therapy Services. And so now we just, April 1st of 2018, just celebrated 10 years of our business. So congratulations. Thank you. So basically you left the world of IEP paperwork. So you thought you weren't going to have as much paperwork to then drown in the private practice paperwork. And you found out it's as much paperwork. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Fantastic. And for all of you school IEP writers out there, thank you for what you do. I am grateful. And I totally ran, ran far away from that. So yeah. Okay. All right, so um, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I mean, everybody knows I'm a South Carolina girl. Um, things are a little different down there. Um, so we don't really utilize telepractice. So if somebody is interested in getting started in telepractice, well, how did you get started and what's your advice for the first timers out the gate? Sure. Well, I also have not been a part of telepractice for a lengthy amount of time. Uh, it was at our state convention in Virginia uh, two years ago that I attended. Dr. Kellen Hall uh, had a presentation. They were piloting at Longwood University a program with early intervention and telepractice. Oh, cool. And since I uh, have a contract with early intervention, uh, well, Patty and I do, that we went to that, that uh, conference and we started listening and it was just, so exciting, something new, something different, but it offered so many opportunities for children who may not be able to get services um, in the more remote areas. In Northern Virginia, that's not really our issue as much. It's more an issue of the traffic is horrendous. <laughs> yes, and I grew up here. Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, I spend so much time because our practice goes to the location of our clients. Mm -hmm. So I spend so much time on the road. So this was very appealing to Patty and myself. Uh, we not only have speech pathologists, but we also have occupational therapists and physical therapists that we started kind of, you know, the light bulb started going off. And so we decided to kind of pursue what that might entail with our company. So uh, one of the trainings that Kellen had mentioned was up in Maine with Waldo County General Hospital. And Mike, yes, Mike Toey is in charge of this program. It was a awesome experience. Several days of intense training, hands-on, and the awesome part of it was we got to divide up that there were two of the students of us with one professional who had been doing telepractice. And we got hands on walking through the different platform that they used, which was Zoom. And it was just such wonderful training that once we were finished, we felt like we had the tools 
that we needed to at least get started. Okay, say this person's name again. So Mike Tui. T T O W E Y. Okay, never was spent like that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and he is with Waldo County General Hospital up in Maine. And if you start doing training, his name comes up all the time because this training is outstanding. It's been um, the only practice that's using the American Telepractice Association's guidelines for doing this practice. All of the ones since then obviously followed this guideline as well, but he was the, they were the first. Nice. So this is awesome. And we, he's had, I believe it's probably 10 years of experience with telepractice, or at least at that point it was 10 years. And that's, that's still like a grandfather in this world of something new. And it is. Yet, so, okay. Exactly. So after that training, we came back and we were so ready to do this. And it just opened up so many doors. But it didn't take long for me to realize that this was something that I needed even more training in. There's so much out there and there's so many things to keep, you know, learning. And the platform's just one issue. But then you've got, okay, how do I make therapy tools and how do I, you know, do You're, all of those things, you know? Yes. Cause I'm just thinking like we're pushing in the South just to, by the way, you totally lost your your Southern accent. It just kind of cracks me up when I'm listening <laughs> talk. I'm like, she can't tell girls from Alabama. Um, okay. But like down South, we're still pushing for bagless early intervention therapy because you're supposed to utilize what Folks, you are supposed to be a bagless early interventionist. That will be a topic for another day. But um, we're still at that world where you don't bring all the fun, shiny objects that you don't really keep very clean and may or may not induce a seizure out of people's homes. So that's my first thought is how do you make that fun without your bag and without being there? But this is exciting. Okay. All right. Let me not cart in the horse and all that jazz, but yeah, so, so it is, it's a challenge. I mean, I am not the most, uh, what's the word? I'm not the best with when it comes to electronics. However, <laughs> Have you seen me try to pull this podcast <laughs> together? You're fine. <laughs> However, it's really enlightened me on ways that I was already using maybe my apps on my iPad. How can I adapt that to then use it now in teletherapy? So using some of that, using websites that kids love, like PBS Kids and, you know, things like that. And how do you make it functional? Um, I actually typically don't use, you know, actual objects when I do my telepractice. But when I have little kids, sometimes it's fun just to do silly things. And so I've used like my puppets that all of a sudden will appear somewhere on the screen and they're like, oh, there it is. So, you know, just trying to think outside of the box that what we've been trained in and used to, you're still using those same training tools, but it's more of kind of thinking a little more out, you know, out there. But it's been so exciting just to be able to do this and to see the different capabilities and to also be able to now introduce like our occupational therapists to be able to do this in their world, 
which has been kind of like challenging as well. But it's it's great. Now, I will say, let me put this out there. In Virginia, uh, early intervention is not um, accepting telepractice as a means yet. This pilot program is still going on. And so uh, the state hasn't adopted doing telepractice as a mean yet. It, what is Virginia's? Is it Better Beginnings, Virginia? No. What is the early intervention program called? Um, Infant Toddler Connections. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Infant Toddler Connections. Better Beginnings. Sorry, that's the name of a company that's down south. I was like, I know it was. Some- okay. Do you know how... So the pilot practice that started out of Longwood, how many years in or what is their study? Do you know when that'll be wrapped? I do not know when that is concluding. I believe they've been doing it three years now. Okay, so they're getting some good data. Yes. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. fantastic. And Lord knows I grew up in I grew up in White Oak, Virginia. Um I don't I think I might be one of the few people that left White Oak, Virginia and hear my kid brother laughing as he's listening but um there's no way you can hit all the individuals that need because it's so rural it's so desolate and it's hard to invite people or entice people to want to work in areas where they don't have a dating life or you know a convenient place to go out to buy sushi or something of that fun and frivolous nature um as I'm think, saying this, all I can think of is imagining you with your puppets. And I really want a picture of you with your puppets for like the um, social media part of this podcast. So please make sure we'll have to make a note. Exactly. Yeah. You okay, and okay. Yeah. You, you were doing that one. Okay. So um, since you guys have started here, if the early intervention system is not paying for it, I mean, at the end of the day, we have to pay our bills. I have to mm-hmm. put food on the table and, Maybe we want to save the masses, but I can't save the masses if I don't take care of my home. So how are y'all getting reimbursed with it for your own private practice? Good question. So with early intervention, we're still doing the traditional early intervention model that the state of Virginia, which is fabulous. Um, that yes! Yeah, we've been doing that for a while now. Um, so that's what we're doing with early intervention. However, our practice is also made up of TRICARE clients and private pay clients. Well, there's military, everybody here. My family's military. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So where we are, it's a huge military community in Northern Virginia. So TRICARE will reimburse because in the state of Virginia, and there are other states as well that have what's called a parity law. So a parity law is when a state is paying for services, whether in a clinic or in a home or daycare, whatever the situation might be, then in return for telepractice, they're required to pay as well. So TRICARE honors that and they pay us to do teletherapy, just like if we were going to a clinic or, I mean, the child was coming to a clinic or something like that. So that's how we get reimbursed. For private pay, obviously, it's just like if they private paid for their therapy when they come to their home. So if the child is in the birth to three program, however, they have TRICARE instead of Virginia paying, the TRICARE pays and then Virginia doesn't meet the bill because that's how um, baby debt in South Carolina, if a patient, I mean, granted, we don't do private practice, but if a patient has a private insurance first, they bill private insurance and then 
secondary insurance in the state is payer of last resort. So okay. that's, that's correct. Um, it will be interesting to see once early intervention, if they do come on board with telepractice. It's like it'll a be whole in, state. Exactly. Okay. So we'll see how that ends up coming down the pipeline. If, you know, I would assume that that would be the same reimbursement where the ins- private insurance would do because of the parity law, they would pay for it. And then what wasn't paid for through insurance would be picked up through the state. Okay. Yeah. All right. That, those are, those are the technical nitty gritty questions that nobody really wants to ask, but like everybody listening is thinking. So thank you for answering that. All right. So then let me pull my reading glasses back out because Lord knows the font wicked tiny on my laptop. Um, okay. So what are, what are your favorite, what are your favorite pros? Okay, so my favorite pro is the fact that after school clients have always been very difficult for me. I'm not only a speech pathologist, but I've been a working mom for <laughs> 24 years, you know, so yeah. um, that's a big pro for me to be at home, to be able to work from home is a big deal. Now, the caveat to that is with small children, you don't want to do this with the children at home because the goal is that this is professional, just as if they were coming to us at a clinic or we were going to their home. Mm-hmm. So we still have to create that professional um, appearance. We have Experience. to, yes. And the whole thing needs to be as if we're doing our therapy in a clinical setting. So, you know, I highly dis, um, Tell you, do not keep your little ones at home. Find somebody to babysit. Yes. (laughs) And also, you know, making sure that, um, like in my case, my kids are all grown. They're older and whatnot. So they know if I say, okay, I'm going to go do my telepractice. They know, don't come in the room. Don't knock on the door. Keep the dogs quiet. You know, so there's a litany of things that they understand. You know? there, there's no way that would fly in my house right now. I'm in the situation where if I say I have to tinkle, two dogs and two boys show up and then everybody needs something at that exact moment in time. So one day I will be able to pee again is what you're saying. <laughs> alone. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's what, you know, that's a huge thing is being able to work from home. The other thing is flexible hours. I mean, you can make your own schedule. You can decide what hours you want to work. So that's definitely an advantage. So what does what your normal schedule look like? This is super nosy, but like, what do you normally, I know what I look like Monday through Friday and it's a train wreck. So what does your Monday through Friday look like? So what I like to do is I like to put all of my clients that I go to their homes. I like to get those done first thing in the morning okay. into the early afternoon. And then I like to see my telepractice kiddos from about, you know, one thirty to two through the afternoon. So I like to be finished by five. Um, Sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. And that's with having breaks throughout too. You know, I'm not one right after the other all the time. Okay. So are your, your in-home live sessions, how long are your sessions? It depends on what the disability is and the need is. Mm -hmm. So some of my Arctic kids, I might just see for 30 minutes. Okay. However, uh, the majority of them are an hour-long session. Okay. So your telepractice patients, how long are those sessions? So 
Good question because telepractice is a little bit harder to maintain an hour session. I have yeah. done it. but Because I'm just thinking my ADD, ADHD, mm-hmm. I couldn't sit still for... There's a reason these podcasts are only 45 minutes because otherwise I'm like, but yeah. Yeah. So typically I do 30 minute sessions when I'm doing my telepractice. I have done 45. And then, like I said, I have had one that was an hour. Uh, That was for a child where the parent and I were working collaboratively together. So that was a little bit different. Mm -hmm. He was a a little one. So that was a little bit easier to work with mom. This podcast is brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. SpeechTherapyPD.com is an engaging, evidence-based continuing education site that offers over 450 continuing education hours. The best part, the information garnered can be applied in therapy immediately. It's functional and fabulous without the hassle of trying to translate technical jargon from a research article. Can I entice you more? Well, then get your suntan lotion ready because next summer, SpeechTherapyPD.com is hosting a CEU cruise. That's right. July 27th through August 3rd of 2019, the amazing, delightful, and oh-so-kind Char Beauchart, M-A-C-C-C-S-L-P, will be the featured speaker for 12-plus continuing education hours on a cruise ship through Greece. That's right. You heard it right. Greece. Want to get the preview or want to catch a preview of the information she's going to share? Then tune into her pod course, The Speech Link, which is also eligible for continuing education through speechtherapypd.com. Maybe, oh, just maybe, I'll see y'all in Greece. Are most of your, just general question, are most of your telepractice kids here locally or are they farther away from you geographically in Virginia? Most of mine are local. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into the disadvantages and I'll talk about that in a little bit, but most of mine are local, but when I say local, like I said, in Northern Virginia, local could be 30, 45 minutes away, even though they might only be 10 miles. miles. Yeah. So I try to keep a general, you know, my in-home kiddos, I keep a general location that I travel within. So they might be outside of that general area. Um, there are a lot of the kids that I see are kids that I might've had previously with being in home, but now, you know, they want to take the option of doing the telepractice. So that's been really good. I did end up getting a um, license for Utah because one of my kiddos that was local ended up moving to Utah. So that's cool. Yes. So I ended up getting a license there. So that's definitely something you have to consider. I was going to say, you're you're, you're so ready for this interstate compact thing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They they said, when I was at that CSAT meeting, like, I don't know, last spring, they were like, they've had issues where practitioners have had 37 licenses to keep up with. And my heart to them, like, all I could think was, did I let Virginia lapse when I moved to South Carolina? Because I probably did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it, that is a big, big challenge. So we really want that interstate compact to come through so that we can, and it's not one license, but it allows us not to have to get a license every time we're seeing someone outside of our own state, which would be spectacular. So if somebody were to go on vacation for, like I have one 
family that they go on vacation for a month at a time, I wouldn't be limited and not be able to see them. Yes. Because then if I had that compact, I could see them when they're on vacation and they wouldn't lapse for a month of service. So that would be really advantageous. But for one month to get a license in the state that they're going on vacation to doesn't make a whole lot of, yeah, it's not cost effective and it's not time, you know, for the time that it takes to maintain that license is not Mm -hmm. a great idea either. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just thinking they're, they're rather expensive. Yes. Yes. Okay. So are there any other pros before? Yes. Okay. So another one is just that, that rapport, you know, some people I've seen on um, the SIG 18 that ASHA has. Wait, no. translate that for those oh, that okay. don't know what you're talking so about. So SIG 18 is the special, special interest group for telepractice. So if you're interested in it, that's a great resource because you have lots of questions coming in all of the time. And some of the gurus or pioneers in the field, like Tracy Sipple and Bill Connors, they answer things. And of course, my Toby as well. He answers a lot of questions. And then, of course, our ASHA representatives who deal with the telepractice, they do a lot of answering questions. So that's a great resource for us. And and for those of you that don't know what she means by answering of the questions, if you join one of Ash's special interest groups, um, and it's nominal, like 25 bucks a year, because I'm a SIG 13 girl. um, That's the dysphagia one. Um, They have an app that you can download on your smartphones and you can post a question. It's called the ASHA community app. You can post it right for free and you don't have to just put it on your smartphone. You can access it from like a tablet or a laptop or traditional antiquated desktops if they still make those. Um, but yes, it's, it, they are, if this is, if this is your niche, if you're listening and this is your thing, then join one of the six, join 18, because it will give you resources to build you up as a person. Exactly. Okay. Sorry. So Um, one of the questions that I've seen on SIG 18 quite a bit is, you know, about rapport and, you know, how does this work and things like that? Is it different? And it's one thing that I was sort of surprised over because I wasn't sure, you know, when I started, if I would still have that same rapport with my kiddos that I work with. Yeah. But what I've seen is I do. I have that same rapport, and with our kids, most of what's called an e-helper, that's the person that's next to the child during the session who's just there as like either to keep them on task or they're there to make sure the electronics are working appropriately or, you know, anything that might come up over that 30-minute session. Um, So a lot of times my e-helpers with my private kiddos are the parents. What better way for the parent to know what we're doing than to be there with us? So so you mean that lovely little goal where you're supposed to document the home exercise program and the parental compliance with it, it's like documented. It is. Okay. I don't know if this is the moment to ask the questions that are like teasing through my mind, but my first thought is how do you make it secure for HIPAA? What resources do you use? What if the family can't afford it? Do you like all, all the things? Yes. So how, how does it physically get from your tiny camera to them? Okay. So that's a very interesting thing because it doesn't take 
pretty much much more than what most families already have in their homes. Okay. So you can do it with a laptop. They just need a laptop. You need a laptop. Or if you've got a desktop and they've got a desktop. Um, I've even had when, you know, we had some connectivity issues. We've even had one of my kiddos use their iPad. Don't like that one as much. I'm just going to put that out there. However, it's still possible. You can still use it. So the way that you keep it, and when it says HIPAA compliant, that's sort of a misnomer in the sense where if it says it's HIPAA compliant, it's really not. You are the one who makes it HIPAA compliant. And the way you do that is it's a special platform that you invite, sort of like a GoToMeeting if you've ever been on GoToMeeting. Mm -hmm. So Zoom, WebEx, uh, Blink, those are just some of the platforms that are out there that you can pay, or some of them are free, but you can pay a nominal fee, and then you've got this access. Well, Are they the recorded? You can have it recorded if you would like, but you don't have to. Like okay. so Occasionally I record, but most of the time I do not. I keep my data while I'm doing my therapy, so I don't personally record. I know a lot of people do, and a lot of the companies require if you go on with a telepractice company, some of those companies will require that you record your sessions. Um, but I personally do not. Okay. Um, however, so when you're doing this, what makes it HIPAA compliant is the fact that you stay on a secure website. So i.e. you don't take it to Panera and try to do your you know, therapy in Panera. <laughs> you know? I, I like how, like, when I'm in the hole and I need to do paperwork, like, you know, I'll do it, but I'll do it off of my personal cell phone with, like, a privacy shield where my back is against a wall. So, like, nobody can hack into the thing that I'm doing and see what I'm doing. But, yeah, I can see how doing therapy at Panera would have some yes. HIPAA issues. <laughs> so, <coughs> when we talk about the HIPAA compliance, Basically, it's our responsibility as the speech therapist, occupational therapist, whoever is doing the therapy, to make sure that we are keeping it on a secured um, connection so that you don't have that likelihood of it getting hacked into or anything like that. So same with them. They need to be also on a secure site as well, you know, at home, preferably. Yes. So that's what um, makes it HIPAA compliant is how we are administered. Yes. But you do, you can't do FaceTime. You can't do Skype. You know, none of those are protected like the one platforms that we just mentioned. Okay. That was my other question because I was assuming a, a, I would think FaceTime would be rather easy, but yeah. Yeah. Reservations. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So that kind of falls, we'll use that as our segue between pros and cons because I can see how, um, now does the insurance pay for it or can the families ask the insurance companies to pay for their internet because of this? Or is that just, no, you got to have it. And that's a, you know, none of my families have asked that question, nor have I seen anything from other therapists with that question. So I'm not really sure what the answer would be. Okay. Most, like I said, most families already have that internet connection. So, okay. you know, I don't think that they have even 
thought about doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you were requiring that there was some kind of special camera that they needed or something like that, perhaps. I know sometimes iPads will be paid for through insurance for, you know, communication purposes. Um, but that question, I can't really answer because I haven't been posed that question. That's okay. In, in my neck of the woods, I can almost guarantee that'd be one of the first. So who's going to pay for this? But okay. I did, okay. We back on track. Um, the cons. Okay. So give me, give me a couple of cons that you have interfaced with and dealt with. Okay. So some of my families are like, I don't want to do that to practice thing. You know, I, that's not the same as you being here. So they like shut it down before you even try exactly. it. If it, this is where they have to have faith in their practitioner. If you know them, yeah. Exactly. Okay. So one of the things that we did, because typically on a normal winter, this was not a normal (laughs) winter, uh, typically on a normal winter, we're going to have snow. We're not going to be able to have therapy. So because we can't get to their homes, you know? So what we tried this year was to offer telepractice on the basis of if there was snow. If you have a sick sibling that we're not going to be able to come to your home because of it. That's brilliant. Wow. That's, I'm just saying, but for like continuity, for Mm -hmm. attendance, for, oh my gosh, yes. Yes. Now, unless you're the working mom that has her own children home, I can't do, but otherwise, yes. Okay, so how did that work? So with some of mine, it was great. And we've created like a hybrid type therapy approach now. And hybrid meaning I do one session in the home. I do one with teletherapy. So that's been a great thing to try because, and I even do this because the other question that comes up a lot is, you know, can you do teletherapy with any kid? Yes and no. So you need to figure out, you know, you're, You've got to know these kids. You've got to figure out if it's going to work. But some of the kids who I never would have guessed would have been good with teletherapy have ended up doing fabulously. So I've had um, children with autism. I've had children that have major sensory issues that every time I came, it was like an issue just to get them to settle down enough to sit and do and attend. And now with telepractice, this one particular boy that I have does famously. I mean, it's just incredible. No, but see, I can see how that would take out so many variables for those kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, if especially with like the act of getting from home to a clinic for some of our kids, that alone, the, the fluorescent lighting, there's reverb of sound, um, it, the smells when you're in a clinic setting or like, you know, like I'll wear the super lightest, famous perfume. And I've had a mom tell me in the past, I can't handle and it. Was, it wasn't even a perfume. It was a lotion. And she was like, whatever lotion you're wearing, please don't wear that next time. Um, because she'd gone through chemo radiation, she couldn't, it was an overwhelming smell for her. But for most folks, that wouldn't be, this is very, very exciting. Okay. Yeah. So those are, you know, ways that we kind of started trying mm-hmm. teletherapy. And then there were other students that I had, like I said, that would, had moved out of my general area. And so I was able to, you know, 
then offer that as an option. Instead of discharging. Instead of discharging, because a lot of them were like, you know, how can we do this? And so I said, well, we have this new thing, telepractice, that would love to see if you are interested in. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of the avenue we went through to kind of introduce it to our clients. Do you find yourself having to do a lot of preliminary legwork prior to the start of the session, like sending supplies like via email to the families or? No, not really, because what we're doing is we are taking things that are already, we can incorporate on the computer with them. Okay. So that we can play games with them on the computer. You know, typical, there's a way that you can scan. I don't know if you're like me. I'm old, so therefore I have lots of worksheets that I've had from years and years and years. And <laughs> yeah, I have a few favorites from mm-hmm. back in the day that I remember doing. Yes. And the cool thing is with these uh, platforms, we can scan these and use these for our therapy. You can oh, use cool. them to play games and there's a way to allow them to have access so that they can circle things and they can write things. And so it's, there's, uh, there's just so many things that you can do with the mm-hmm. supplies that are on the computer or on your iPad. And so I typically use what I already have that's right there in front of me. As far as the legwork ahead of time, I do tend to have some legwork. Uh, since most of my kids are fairly young, you know, early elementary through about three, four years old is about the youngest that I'll go mm-hmm. with telepractice right now. Um, not to say that won't change if early intervention comes on board, but for right now, that's my age range. And so I might um, tend to have a theme that I use. And so that takes some of the legwork out because, you know, I have this general thing, but then I adapt it just like I would with any regular therapy session in person. I'm going to adapt that to the kid and what the goals that I'm working on so that they're getting their goals met during those sessions. Okay. So is there any way that somebody can film you doing like a 30 second blurb so that we folks that are listening, if they wanted to, we can like attach it because that would be really, really awesome because yours, I have, okay. So we're actually recording, you know, I can see her doing this, but y'all can't see how animated and how like you sparkle when you talk about the thing that you do. And that's friggin' awesome because but I mean, like for me, I'm, and a lot of SLPs were such visual people that if they, it would, I think it would demystify. It would kind of like pull it home. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. If we could do that. I'm sure we can do that. That okay. would not be a problem. Okay. So, but yes, it's, it's very It's exciting to me when you've been in the field for so many years. It is so nice to have something new and to learn new things. I think that's the goal. If you're going to be a part of telepractice, you better be ready to learn. Because it's so, even though there's the pioneers out there who've been doing it for 10 years, the majority of people in telepractice haven't been in very long. So everything is so new. But there's so many different ways that you can learn, you know, how to do this. And a lot of them are like five courses like this. Like I, 
there's another one whimsical word that oh that says, sounds delightful i yeah. haven't heard of this one it's all whimsical word practice. you get a free plug because well, i love the little w's yes <laughs> but that's it's an awesome one because she's specifically is looking at telepractice so that's that's a good oh, one to listen neat. to if you're not as familiar yeah with telepractice um you know, there's online blogs. Asha offered one not that long ago, and people were sending in questions, and they were, you know, answering them. And so that was a really great, you know, way to learn a little bit more. So any nugget that's out there, like I try to just soak it up. And as a older therapist now (laughs) it's good to you know have something that does excite you and that you are excited about but like I said if you're going to do telepractice get ready to learn because there's a lot out there to learn but there's lots of great resources out there too um one of the ones that uh teachers pay teachers I don't know if people are familiar with that but they have a lot of things that you can use um by or fairly inexpensively that you can use on telepractice um, therapy sessions. So Mm -hmm. yeah, there's lots of different things out there. And like I said, there's PBS kids. I use national geographic for some of my older kids um, because that fascinates them. Okay. So what's, what's your favorite progress story? Give me 30 seconds on that. I like, I like the heart ones. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think the progress story is that little guy that I said, I went to his house and every time that I came because his sensory was, his sensory system was so overloaded. And every time it was just such a struggle for him. He's only articulation, but it was so severe articulation. He was difficult for everyone to understand. And then he had these, well, when I started with him, he was eight and now he's 10. Awesome. Yeah. So that has been a real challenge because, you know, it was always first working on the sensory to get him regulated and then we could start speech. But you've lost how much of your session? A lot. Yeah. A lot of my session. So this has created a new platform for him where I can actually do the speech part. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have days where his sensory system's overloaded because of, you know, something going on at the house or he's got many brothers and sisters. And so there's a lot of movement all the time. But um, are you able to engage the siblings? Because I know when I do homes and I go in. Like, I like to, oh, let's use you for a language model or, oh, look how your brother's chewing that. And so can you still, do you still feel like you have the flexibility to engage the siblings? Or you the- can do that with telepractice. Um, okay. Now, with this particular child, I cannot just because okay. when I bring in another sibling, it tends to, overloaded. the sensory goes overloaded. So I tend to only be able to work with him. And then he's got an aunt that lives with them. So she often is his e-helper. So that, and even at times she has to step outside the room where he is to create that calmness. So, but she's still, the great thing is she's still listening. So she's still hearing everything. And so they're able to take that and carry it over the rest of the time when I'm not there or when I'm not online. So that's awesome. 
So that is, I would say, a huge success story is just the fact that now we're being able to attend long enough that I'm actually getting therapy done. Therapy done. done. Yes. That's <laughs> awesome. Okay. You used a term earlier and, and we had chatted ever so briefly before we actually started about um, an EU or not. That's not what it was. Um, they're a learner assistant. What is the e helper? E helper. Okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> European Union. Come on, Michelle. Okay. <laughs> so um, I'm in Northern Virginia again. Um, so they're um, e helper. Now, is that you mentioned a lot of times it's the families, but in different settings, do you contract with the schools? How does that work? And there was one other thing that you mentioned earlier that I wanted to loop back to in the conversation was telepractice companies. So Yes. Yeah. So sorry. Let me, I have, have, I'm such a novice in this and you're using terminology that I don't know what you mean and I need clarification on. So, so Tuxedines themselves, we do not contract with the school system. Okay. However, when you are contracting with the school system, your EHAP helper can be a maraud of different people. So ideally, you want it to be the same person familiar with what to do and you train them as a speech therapist. You know, this is what I need for you to do. Here are the guidelines, you know, and you give them sort of a layout of what your expectations are. So that could be maybe a teaching assistant could be any helper. If you're fortunate enough to have an SLP assistant, it could be one of them. So it just varies. And from my understanding from different therapists out there who do contract with the school system, it really depends school system to school system and even school to school, depending on, you know, what the the different makeup of the principals, you know, are willing and able to assign. Okay. So you touched on something else. Do... <laughs> Like I know when I practice dysphagia, you have to be a fully seed practitioner in order to treat an oropharyngeal dysphagia. It is outside of the scope of practice of a speech pathology assistant. They make no, that is a black and white issue. It's not, oh, I went to a bunch of classes and I learned how to do the thing. And we're not really creating a bolus because it's sensory food play. It is black and white. SLPAs cannot do it because it's something with which in our scope it could kill them. Let's not kill the babies. But within telepractice, where does this fall in the tiers? I don't know this. Yes. So as of right now, SLPAs are not able to do telepractice. Unless they're acting as the assistant. Correct. On the receiving end uh, with the patient while you're conducting the session. That is correct. Okay. Now, Asha, um, if you go on their website under telepractice, they have their guidelines mm-hmm. of what telepractice is and what our responsibilities are and, you know, all of that. However, each state should also have, and I you should, because <laughs> some do not yet. Okay. This is still evolving. Um, one of the states that's still evolving right now is Virginia. We're still evolving. Um Helen Hall that I mentioned earlier had been the telepractice committee chair uh, for the state of Virginia. 
now that would be me. So. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so Squirrel, y'all don't know it, but when we were having fun at the shop conference, um, it came to light that the lovely ladies who I crashed their, ta- like literally crashed their table were some of the VPs on and various board members, which is fantastic because we all got to geek out and trust me, geeky people can go there very quickly. (laughs) Okay. So then you're the chair of the telepractice committee. So one of the Uh things that we are currently working on are the guidelines for the state of Virginia regarding telepractice. Best practice. Oh, so all the three cheers for you and, um, adult beverages for (laughs) you when we're done. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. So, like I said, each state, though, should have their own. So it's really important not only do we check out what ASHA says about telepractice, but if you're going to practice telepractice in a different state, i.e. Utah, like myself, it was important for me to look at Utah's guidelines to make sure that I could meet the criterion that they have. So make sure if you're starting to look at telepractice, and you're going outside of your own state, it's important to look a look, delve in a little bit deeper. Okay. So I just looked on at the clock and like per usual, I tend to <laughs> run over. Um, what are your closing thoughts before? I- so my closing thought would be to join SIG 18 with ASHA. If you are thinking about telepractice, it's a great resource. However, don't negate doing the training. There's so many great trainings out there. Um, Do you have, I was going to say, please tell me you can, you mentioned a few earlier, but do you have more? So like I said, Waldo County General Hospital is the, like, (laughs) um, they're awesome, but you can, (laughs) there's Facebook groups out there that you can join and get more information. Like I mentioned before, Tracy Sipple is one of the gurus of the field. She also has lots to offer out there. She has some um, courses that you can take online. Bill Connors has some courses you can take online. Bill tends to uh, work more with adults. So that's another area that we, you know, I don't have a lot of experience with, but if you're in the adult world, he's definitely somebody to look at. Tracy has been in the school system forever. She's got great resources. Um, I mean, I've taken several of her things and I've heard her on podcasts and things like that. So she's, she's got a lot of great information. Um, there's telepractice blogs, there's Pinterest that you get all kinds of great ideas from. And then there's the professional organizations. And the one that, like I said, that, uh, Waldo uh, County hospital went through was the American telemedicine association. So that's another great resource out there. So, you know, if you're interested in this, there's great resources, but understand this is still relatively new for our field. So there's still a lot of questions and a lot of things that have to be answered. Okay. So I know people are going to have questions. How do they reach you? Like if they want to, I mean, maybe I should have asked permission instead of forgiveness, but I'm going to go with the forgiveness. So how do they reach you if directly? So the way to reach me directly through my email, tots to teens therapy services, and that's to T-O, not number two, uh, at gmail.com. That's my email. 
for work. And then you can also look on our website if you've got, you know, if you want to send me a message that way. But we also have a Facebook page, so you can, you know, message us there. And that one is Talks to Teens Therapy. That's our Facebook page. So, but probably email is if you want to get to me fast and furious, that's the best way to catch me. Perfect. Okay. All right. Well, on that note, we're almost out of time. But before we switch over to questions, uh, I just wanted to wish some of my dear friends out there a very happy Hanukkah. And uh, thank you. Thank you. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I'm your humble but yet sassy host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through speechtherapypd.com. Please check out the website if you'd like to learn more about CEU opportunities for this episode, as well as the ones that are archived. And as always, remember... Feed your mind, feed your soul, be kind, and feed those babies.